Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 7, titled 5-2010. Uh, yet another very, very good episode that once again has a lot going on. There are uh, quite a few through lines packed throughout this episode. Uh, and we'll take a substantive deep dive into all of them in a minute. But before that, we will do yet another installment of everyone's favorite segment... Things that are different. Man, normally I would talk about like just how terrible that intro is in general, but man, that uh, that voice crack, huh? <laughs> that really happened. That's really something that just happened. That's a noise I uttered. Uh, wow. Uh, apparently, I'm a thirteen-year-old. Let's just move on with our lives. Uh, so, for this installment of Things That Are Different, we I, I want to take us through the story of William Bell. Because we finally, finally figured out what the hell William Bell was doing in Amber alongside the rest of the Fringe team. We finally figured out what he was doing there. So, apparently, uh, in the weeks before the Great Ambering of 2015... William Bell came to Walter and was like, Hey, uh, I want to help defeat the Observers, because I know how important that is. I'm, I- I'm going to put aside my uh, evil ways and help you defeat the Observers. I got a couple beacons stashed in a storage facility that you can use to complete your plan. Conveniently, uh, only me can access it. You can access it only with my handprint. So you require me... Entirely, let's have a meeting. Uh, let's get together in a physical location and talk. I'm definitely not going to turn you in immediately to save my own skin. Smash cut to William Bell absolutely turning them in immediately to save his own skin. And Fringe Division, uh, Walter specifically, they put two and two together. And that's when Walter did the ambering. That's when they got ambered. And that's the story. That's why William Bell was there. The more you know. <laughs> anyway, that is it for things that are different. God, that intro. Now I can talk about specifically that I have no voice cracks to distract from it. That intro is bad, and I hate that I'm doing it, and I hate that I'm enabling that intro. I gotta stop. I just, I gotta stop. So, the A story of this episode, uh, the new tape that we are following through on, is actually those beacons in that storage facility. Gee, it's almost as if all this information got saved for this exact episode, because it worked well for the plot. Gee, it's almost as if... These episodes are written with purpose in mind. 
What a shock. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, we work to get into this storage facility and to get into uh, this, like, basically a vault that William Bell has. Uh, and we need his hand to do it. So we take that out of the amber, we go over there, and there's a crap ton of debris covering the doors. And so we have to get at it. We have to uh, clear that away somehow in order to get to those doors. And we have to do it without causing too much attention. The solution is we go to Nina. Yup, Nina's back. Uh, and have her, like, get us something that changes molecular structure of the debris so we can go through. And we get this nice meeting with Nina uh, there's some elements to it, character-wise, that I will save for later on, with interactions with her and Walter specifically that I will leave towards later on. I will say, though, right now, because this is not connected to any particular plotline, uh, the reunion between Olivia and Nina is beautiful, and it is absolutely amazing, where they have, like, the overwhelming joy of, uh being reunited, and then they have to deal with the crushing weight of Etta being gone. Essentially, I mean, Nina, if you squint real hard, is basically Etta's grandmother. Like, because Nina, in this timeline, was Olivia's foster mom. Uh, so, there is that. Uh, that is very much a thing that we have to deal with. Uh, that is very much dealt with in this scene very, very beautifully, and Blair Brown does an incredible job. I don't talk about Blair Brown nearly enough. Blair Brown's very good as Nina Sharp. Uh, but anyway, we come to her, and she's like, okay, I got the thing for you. Uh, this is a thing that uh, transfers solid matter into gas. And they get that, talk through the technology, they use it, they go into the vault, uh, they find William Bell's safe. Okay, that must be where the beacons are being held. And so there's this great moment where uh, Walter's trying to remember the combination. It's the same combination William Bell used for everything. And he can't remember it, can't remember it, can't remember it. And we believe, the characters believe, that they're running up against a clock. Because uh, Nina told them that observers detect changes in the atmosphere, this changes the atmosphere slightly, and if they use this, observers would show up in minutes. But Peter knows that the observers are preoccupied because of things he did that we'll talk about in a minute, so Peter's like, hey, Walter, calm down, you have all the time in the world. And then you just have Walter sort of like, zoning out, like, getting into this state of bliss, and then remembering the combination, 5 20, 10. Hey, that's the title of the episode. It's almost as if these titles are written with purpose. It's almost as if they have an intent. It's almost as if they have a creative intent behind them. Weird. Uh, <laughs> but they find, they open the vault, they open the safe, and there's no beacons there. There's just this weird-ass device that we don't know what it is. And Peter activates it, and... Beacons come up from the ground. Like, there's a solid minute where we're afraid Bells betrayed us yet again. There were never any beacons. No beacons were there. Uh, and we're screwed now. But then Peter activates this device, and the two beacons come up from the ground. So now we have those, and we leave. Another piece of the plan in place. 
Now, this A storyline is fine, it's decent, it's good enough, but what really makes this episode shine for me is the subplot of Peter going on his little mission. Because Peter's gone full Observer now. He is predicting things before they happen, seeing possible futures, seeing likely futures... And is using that information to manipulate events with the help of Anil. Uh, using that information to sort of push certain of Windmark's lieutenants to certain places on certain timelines. Uh, and launches this whole operation to get a bunch of Windmark's lieutenants in the same place at the same time uh, to switch one of their briefcases. And he basically gets them all in a room... And hits them with the flesh-eating toxin from episode 1 that killed all those people on flight 627. So Peter uses these full-blown observer powers to kill some pretty damn high-ranking observers. And that's it. Like, it... And it's great. It's really, really badass to watch. It's really, really incredible to see Peter going full Observer. There's some really clever, very fun sequences with that. The callback to the very, very first episode is amazing. Uh, Continuing that trend of Fringe Division using Fringe events to fight, fight back against Observers. And, like, also, the choices that Joshua Jackson makes as an actor, he does a great job of, like... Being the right blend between kind of the Peter we know, kind of the Peter uh, we've grown accustomed to, but then at just the right times, having that blank, emotionless observer expression. Having that blank, emotionless observer-like stoicism. And, like, those moments where he's going full observer and seeing things and... Uh, recounting all these variables, like, and he just has, like, this flat, monotonous uh, delivery like an Observer would have. Uh, like, it's it's great. He does a phenomenal, phenomenal job with it. Uh, and throughout this, we start to see some physical effects, like, uh, of the chip in his head, like, ears bleeding, like, he has this one, like, weird span where everything gets overly bright and he kind of becomes incapacitated for a second his hair is starting to fall out a little bit and all of this leads to this moment because olivia is kind of suspicious uh this entire episode that there's something peter's not telling her there's something peter's not telling her there's something peter's not telling her and she goes to etta's apartment where peter has set up shop setting up this entire plan Setting up this big, long plan to take out the top-ranking observers. And this moment where Olivia sees these timelines and Peter shows up and flat-out confesses to everything. With, again, no expression, no emotion. There is no remnant of the Peter we know. Like, he's just blank and stoic, like, just a complete rock. And saying... Their timelines. I know everything about where they have been. And using this information, I can figure out their most likely future. And using that, I can manipulate events to my advantage. The tech that they had, I have it now. 
I have the advantage over them. They don't know I'm watching, but I am there. Uh, I will avenge Etta. And, like, Olivia's just looking on, like, horrified. Like, no, this is a terrible idea. This is wrong on so many levels. Like, and I, I especially love that bone-chilling moment. Because, like, right from the first episode, one of the first big, timey deals that the the first observer that September did, one of the first things that showed us he is kind of weird and does some stuff with time was the predicting exactly what Peter was going to say and, and saying the exact thing, like saying it at the same time as Peter, uh, sort of that predictive speech thing. And Peter now does that to Olivia and it's like bone chilling just to be like, oh God, this telltale sign of an observer is like Peter is exhibiting that now. Like this first big thing that made us think the observers were a little more than just some weird bald dudes. Like that they had like some form of abilities. Like it's insane and it's like so, so bone chilling and so well handled. And Olivia leaves Peter, just horrified, to continue his plan. And Winmark's next. Peter's targeting Captain Winmark next. So, yeah, that's a thing. As if this wasn't enough of a gut punch, we also have Walter continuing to revert back to his old self, to revert back to the soulless, narcissistic, uh, abusing scientific powers, uh, like, just cold son of a bitch that we know from, like, 85. And he continues to revert back, revert back, revert back, revert back. He expresses concerns to Nina. Uh, he's talking to Nina about it. Uh, saying, like, yeah, I can I can feel myself losing myself, but it, it's fine. It's totally okay, because Peter won't let it happen. Peter won't let me lose myself. Peter will help me. And, by the way, John Noble, again, like, brilliantly diversifies her, his performance, brilliantly uh, puts in all this subtlety to show, like, when he's the Walter we know, when he's the old Walter, when he's, like, somewhere in between, like... He does a great job with the subtleties of it and the nuance of it. And then there's this one moment where Nina just flat out says, Hey, Peter's not enough. Peter's not going to be enough for you. I know this because I tried to reason with William Bell for years and I never succeeded. Like his love for me wasn't enough. And then Walter delivers the cruel blow of the reason you couldn't get through to him was because he never loved you. Like, he just never loved you, you were nothing to him, blah, 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 blah. And Nina at that point is like, hey, you asked me if I uh, saw the old you? Well, now I do. Uh, Because new Walter never would have said something that cruel. And, like, it's a brutal scene where you really kind of feel... Just how far Walter has gone. Just how far Walter has slipped. And the truly precarious ledge that he is on. And then we find that picture of Nina in William's safe. And 
we see, oh, wait, no, William Bell actually did love Nina. He just loved being God more. And that's kind of where Walter's headed with uh, sort of reverting back to his old self. And this leads to Walter not only apologizing to Nina, but asking Nina to remove the pieces of his brain. To remove those pieces again. To take them back out. And we don't know her answer. The show very wisely doesn't give us a definitive answer on whether or not Nina allowed that to happen. Whether or not Nina's actually doing that. And so that's kind of a question mark of like, are we removing the pieces of Walter's brain again? Like, is this happening? Are we getting brain surgery 2.0? Like, what's going on here? And, uh, yeah. That's the episode. Uh, very good episode. Very solid episode all around. Uh, suffice it to say, they're gonna go to some interesting places the next couple episodes. I'm very excited to talk about the next couple episodes. Uh, it's gonna be something. It's gonna be something. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well at the simplest just push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 8. Talk to you then.